So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i'm professor robert eg black and i'm here with david forsyth from edge of tomorrow minute here to discuss groundhog day again right still again some more yeah always it's um welcome <laughs> it's a little intimidating to like be on a show to officially talk about groundhog day with you <laughs> You know, I've been on other ones where it's sort of come up tangentially just yeah. because you're you and what we were talking about. Right. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you every every day for a year, every month for a decade or something like that. Was that the? It was three years worth of entries that it was every month. Okay. Those three right. years were spread out because there were two gaps in there. Right. Where I stopped the blog and then decided later I wanted to keep going. Yeah. So yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, but I still notice new things, even doing notes for this today. Yeah. I noticed something I hadn't noticed before, which is weird. All right. Well, that's, that's good then. I, I think, uh, you know, it's sort of the promised land of the, the movies by minutes, right? Is that this close analysis will yield more things to more people kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's good to know that this far in, it still works for you. Well, yeah. And I purposely delayed covering this movie in this format because it's already been done Yeah, twice. Yeah. Once minute by minute, once loop by loop. I didn't listen to the loop by loop one yet, but I think I need to because that sounds maddening. Yeah. When they get to the slaps, it was hilarious. Yeah. A whole episode (laughs) on a single slap, which you can do. I mean, yeah. I've been trying to figure something in my head and maybe you can help me out. Yeah. When a person is insane, as you clearly are, do you know that you're insane? I tried to figure out what that painting in the background of the breakfast room was. Mm. Never could. Nobody will ever notice that. Filmmaking is not about the tiny details. It's about the big picture. She's not clear enough. There's a few, right? Yeah. But that one on the wood wall at the back end is yeah. framed nicely like I could see it. The whole picture and put it in Google and it doesn't get anything because hmm. it's a vague, weird painting of just trees and river. Yeah. It could be anything. Probably one of those like starving artist oil painting sale things that yeah. they have at the Hyatt on off weekends and you know. <laughs> or that you buy just at Ikea. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's art. Yeah. So this minute sort of gets to me <laughs> because it's like, we all know that Phil, early Phil especially is kind of a dick, right? Mm-hmm. But this is the it has to remain modestly presentable, yeah. right? Like he's clearly making fun of every, well, not everyone, but like right. his hostess, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to make her feel like a jerk because he doesn't, he wants to still have a place to live right. for the night, right? So he's making dense and harsh fun of her, yeah. but trying to appear like he's not. And I feel like that was my MO for probably two decades. <laughs> trying to make fun of everyone I met as much as possible without getting my ass kicked. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a masterclass. This is almost 
I don't want to say a distilled version of his Hunter Thompson character, mm. but it's like a maybe the other way around. Like maybe the Hunter Thompson character from Where the Buffalo Rooms, is that what that was called? That sounds right, yeah. It is maybe like the crunchy peanut butter version, and this is the smooth peanut butter version of that <laughs> same character, but it's... Uh, yeah, he's mean, but he doesn't... I get the impression that the person he's being mean to is always the one who doesn't notice. Mm-hmm. Like everyone else can see it. Yeah. Like when he's talking to Rita earlier, he says something bad about Larry, but he's not talking to Larry. Right. And he's, he's mean to everyone in a slightly unique way where it almost, you could think he's your friend. Right. And in this case, there's no one else around. We, we the, the viewers see it, right? Like it, mm-hmm. there's no one else around right. to make fun of her with. So we get the under the breath, don't even know how to spell it. We get the like tongue stick out when he's talking about drinking that particular coffee. Yeah. And then the real genius moment, I think, is when she asks about the weather and he does his spiel. Mm-hmm. I mean- you can read that as he's just not a socially adept person and he yeah. just has these habits. That's what he goes into. But I, I don't think so. I think he's being savage to her. But she could find it charming because this is me being sort of like him. She's this woman who lives in this small town yeah. and just deals with outsiders all the time. And here's this news guy who's doing his news report. It's like a celebrity doing your favorite bit from their movie. Yeah. It's like he said, he said, show me the money. He said the line. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Yes, it's harmless, but it's it's still hurtful. <laughs> I don't know. Which is kind of his MO. It's like yeah. each individual moment is sort of harmless. Yeah. A little patronizing, but kind of harmless. But you put them all together and it's like, he's kind of an ass. Yeah. Agreed. And the world doesn't notice because the world is lots of parts. Yeah. The minute where he has just gotten down into the breakfast room at the Cherry Street Inn. Mrs. Lancaster asks, did you sleep well, Mr. Connors? In earlier drafts, he answers, like a Romanian orphan, Mrs. Lancaster. (laughs) I can't decide how funny that is. I'm not sure. I mean, I couldn't figure out how it would be offensive necessarily. I mean, orphan is sort of a touchstone. Yeah. And then Romanian just sort of exoticizes it a little bit. Yeah. But I I agreed. I don't know that if there's some long forgotten stereotype that is being tapped into there that we just don't know. Right. It's... This is made in 92, comes out in 93, was written, what, 1990? Yeah. So it's like an 80s vibe, and Eastern Europe is now open. So it's, I don't know. But we're, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, in the film, he just says, I slept alone, Mrs. Lancaster. Right. Which has a whole different other subtext to it. She seems to sort of get that mm-hmm. joke, though, right? She giggles oh, yeah, at she, it. She laughs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's an old lady is. She's fine with that. She's a hotelier. She <laughs> she knows when people are doing it in her abode. Yeah. So yeah, that's why they're there. Right. You, know, you stay yeah. at the nice place because you know the bed's going to be comfortable. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mrs. Lancaster, by the way, since this is her first real scene, she only barely showed up last minute. Is Angela Patton, born eleventh January nineteen thirty in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> she lived in San Francisco for a while. She's a veteran of the American Conservatory Theater and also one of its leading actresses. After leaving ACT in the early 70s, Patton and her husband founded and ran the Berkeley Stage Company. They eventually moved to Malibu and lived there until 2015. She has been in 38 films and over 50 TV series and continued to do regional theater up until 2014 role in uh, Broadway revival Harvey. And she died in 2016 of a heart attack back in San Francisco. Hmm. She doesn't give off the native Brooklynite feel that I've come to expect from knowing native Brooklynites, <laughs> but acting. She's a good actor. Yeah. A lot of these people in the movie, I just assume they're Chicago actors. Yeah. But she's not. She's New York and then San Francisco. Yeah. 
but she was a good comedian. So she was, she was definitely like cast, Mm -hmm. like brought in. She wasn't just someone they found locally. Yeah. I'm really always amazed by her spread that she puts out here. Right. Like I understand that this is probably the fancy groundhog day spread, right? Like this probably doesn't look like this on March 3rd. It's fancy. There's like a punch bowl and you know, big pot coffee. Yeah, that punch bowl is the thing I noticed this time because I was looking at it. I'm like, this is breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is yeah. that sangria? I, I don't know. Like, is there alcohol in could there? Be. I mean, and if so, why isn't he going for that more often in this movie? They could have had a scene like from Sideways where he pours the spittoon of wine <laughs> on his face. He could just, just drink that. Up, yeah, yeah. We've got the big tray of locks. We got lots of mm-hmm. fresh fruit. I don't know what else. Little cereal boxes. Bakery. Little cereal boxes industrial sized toaster like yeah with four slices ready to go yeah yeah white bread of course yeah and then the other thing about this display is it also has bookshelves on either side books on the top yeah and there's two separate shelf units of books on either side of it which ties into i don't know that they ever plan to include this in the film but it's something from the original script by ruben Hmm. where phil actually did keep track of his time loops by reading a page of a book each day And so as he got through the books, he'd just go back and count the page numbers and know how long he'd been there. And he eventually plans his own birthday party, and he claims that he is 263. Wow. So he needs a lot of books in that room to to pull that off. He also goes through them more than once. Sure. What's funny is on his supposed birthday, Mrs. Lancaster gives him a book as a gift Hmm. because he's like, you seemed interested in them. So she gives him one, which is really nice. Yeah, that's cute. I think Sean and Dave talked about this a lot in their podcasts or in their, their coverage of this movie. It's sort of maddening folly to try and count the loops. I mean, it's certainly an interesting academic exercise right. to try and extrapolate or calculate it. And we'll do that once maybe, but like to try and calculate it or to have a filmmaker try and put in enough references for you to be able to track it. I think that would get tedious. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. I think when people do the math, it usually says more about them than the movie. <laughs> sure. Because it's like, how cynical or not are you? Yeah. Do you think he learned French or do you think he memorized one line from a song? Yeah. Right. Do you think he learned how to play the piano or did he just learn how to play two songs? Right. Did he spend 10,000 hours, right. right? The mythical 10,000 hours or did he spend 100? The only thing that we can be sure he's actually good at that is new is ice sculpting. Mm, true. Because anything else, he could have been good out before. Right. I mean, it, we sort of make reference to this in Edge of Tomorrow that like Bill Cage's best quality is his memory, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that would same would go for Phil here. I mean, you know, I guess that is part of your cynical extrapolation yep. process is, it, you know, if you had a memory like mine, you'd be trapped in this loop, you know, five times, 10 times longer than someone <laughs> with a good memory. But after doing the same thing a hundred times, uh, it would probably get beaten into me. Yeah. So, and the movie does a good job of, I think that's actually like 10 minutes from now, but the first repeat of this day, the movie lets us know he remembers stuff Yeah. because he knows immediately that they're playing yesterday's radio broadcast. Yeah. Cause, and he wasn't even paying attention to it, but he notices. Yeah. Worked a summer job in a shipping depot for a manufacturer. Out on the dock, you could really only get one station that everyone who worked there could agree on. <laughs> and it was this classic rock station that had such a narrow playlist. Or I don't even know if their playlist was that narrow. It just seemed like every day at two o'clock, you'd hear the same like Judas Priest song followed <laughs> by a, the same Allman Brothers song. And you'd be like, classic rocks. There are many, many tracks that are available to you. Like, why, why the same? 
I mean, just doing that for a summer, hearing the same songs at approximately the same times every day <laughs> drove me nutty. So yeah, I, I could see not suspecting that hearing the same thing would be some sort of time loop. It would take me a lot longer to believe that I was in a time loop, I think, yeah. based on that one summer's experience. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about it when we get there, but the indication is supposed to be not that he recognizes the radio, but that he looks around his room and sees that stuff's different. Yeah. But we don't see that stuff's different. So it's kind of framed strangely. Mm, yeah. Okay. But watching it over and over as I have, it's clear pretty early on he can remember stuff. And people were like, it's going to take him days. One of my things in my blog was arguing with this guy who went by the name Wolfnards, mm. who was like talking about how just that bank robbery thing would take him like 10 days, two weeks to figure out. I'm like, he could figure that out in two days. We know he probably got hit by the car because he notices the car and the timing of it. Sure. And he had to, at some point, have observed it in the first place. But that could have happened on a day that we already saw. So with a good memory, he could do that in a day. Because it's not like you have to plan for eventualities. Right. Right. You, you don't have to like plan for like, okay, if I go in there and there's two guards instead of the one that I see, you, you know the answers already. Right. You've got the teacher's edition. If you're ready, we could go to Edge of Tomorrow because <laughs> there's a big version of that. Like when they go in to talk to the general, you know, our time loop of the week. Right. Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Never think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone, lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. You couldn't plan a day like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. Time. Time. The last revision is what counts, apparently. Time. What if we found Time. them all? All the perfect things in this Time. one town, Time. in this one day. We could collect them. I would point out before we get into Edge of Tomorrow, literally just last night, I was reminded that In the Mouth of Madness has time loops in it. And it wasn't on my time loop list on IMDb, so I added it. There's so many. Have I seen that? Sam Neill Carpenter, Carpenter? movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I There's a couple that. times where the stuff just repeats okay. over and over, and it'd be slightly different each time. The kid's trying to get out of town on his bike, and then he drives by again. He's an old man. Ah, okay, sure. Yeah. And uh, Sam Neill sees a policeman beating someone up in an alley. And then later he sees that exact same policeman beating that exact same person up in that alley. Stuff that just happens over and over. I have not seen that movie for a long time. And it, it didn't really make my need to watch this again list. So, hmm. okay. but maybe I will. So Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. that scene at the going into the generals is that exactly that. You don't need to plan for things. If it goes badly, you just, in his case, you make sure you die so you can do it again. Yeah. Turns out that the second bit is is the one they forgot, but you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Like yeah. like the music in Groundhog Day, they're like, but he starts jazzing it up when she comes in. I'm like, yeah, but he knows when she's going to come in. Right. He's been there. Yeah. He's done it. At that point, we're not supposed to be cynical because it's the end of the movie. Right. But you could still get there the same way. And there's not any, like there are minor differences 
through the days for both Phil and Engage, depending mm-hmm. on blah, 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 just to make the movie yeah. more interesting. But the theory is that there would be very little variability in everything right. that's going on around here, right? I mean, like y- you can make the butterfly wings sort of analogy, like, you know, Phil gets out of his bed 30 seconds later, then, you know, this mm-hmm. thing happens. Well, yeah, if Cage is on the base at that certain time, those two guys come to beat him up. Yeah. You know, right. they're always going to be wherever they're going to find him yeah. as long as he's there. Yeah. But it gives you flexibility to plan things like that because the rest of the world is essentially static. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite parts from that movie is when we realize he's done things more than we've seen Yeah, because he yeah. knows how she takes her coffee. Yeah. And she realizes it in that moment that they've made it that far before. Yeah. It's... um. There's little hints to it at some point, like, you know, watching the whole thing and then re 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 watching mm-hmm. the whole thing. You sort of get those early views. Like there's the one where he's charging across the battlefield and gets hit by a truck. And then it immediately resets right back to that right. same spot three seconds earlier and picks up. There are lots of things like that where you're like, okay, that was an edit, but what if that was a loop? Uh-huh. You know, like there's definitely a lot of, lot of little hints that he has made many yeah. trips through, through this. The film edits it to the moments. Right. Exactly. Like the date with Rita in this movie. Yeah. We see it come back to that date, but he's actually spent that whole day being able to do whatever. So even if you think he was learning French, he has time to learn it, not extra days. Yeah. He has time to learn to bowl for the deleted scene of him bowling 300, or he could have been good at bowling before. He grew up in Cleveland. Do they have fun things to do? I don't know. Uh, I mean, (laughs) some, but a lot of them are bowling. Yeah. Isn't that like where the PBA Hall of Fame is is or something like that? (laughs) I I don't know. If so, I'm going to use that as my argument from now on. So yeah, he was good at bowling. You may want to double check that fact. but The distinct difference I'd say between, other than the obvious that Edge of Tomorrow is a war movie with aliens, the distinct difference is this is a, as I've been calling it, a Connors loop. Mm -hmm. That's more of a 1201 loop. It has a cause and they have to solve that cause eventually. Right. They're perfecting the day, not themselves. Although Cage does, I guess, become a better person. He starts the movie trying to blackmail someone, right? Yeah. That's what he gets in trouble for. Yeah. So it's a little bit of the Connor stuff. Right. It's He he does have to solve a problem mm-hmm. that is the, the cause of his loop. But yeah, the path to that is not... At some point, there's the memorize the steps through to make the perfect speed run uh-huh. through to, to get to it. And that doesn't work. So it, there are things that he's got to do and, you know, yeah. be a better person, not be so blackmaily, not, you know, kind of things like that. Are it, It's like Cage becomes a better person, but he never tries to become a better person. Right. Because he wasn't that bad a person in the first place. Right. Or at least we aren't shown that he was a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got flaws. Right. Right. But I mean, like every good character does. Not all Tom Cruise characters do, but you know. Do you remember what minute the first repetition starts in that movie? Um, Because I think that one gets to the loops faster than this as well. So we have less time to really get to know who he was. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I think it was like high teens, 20s, maybe. It was was in there. You've explored the Rita Rita connection, right? I mean, (laughs) I don't know if there's any good connection, anything worth talking about in that. I mean, the name came from the source material, right? Which, how old is that book originally? Oh gosh, that's a good question. It's after Groundhog Day, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So they may have just taken it from this. Yeah, that was always our theory. And they just, I don't know. They could have named their main guy Phil as well, but I guess that'd be too obvious. Yeah. And Will Cage is just such a movie name. Yeah. And an on-the-nose time loop name. Yeah. I mean, the book, it was KG was the first name. 
an Americanization yeah. makes it cagey, right? And at some point they call him mm-hmm. Killer Cage in the book. But uh, yeah, so that cage kind of idea came from there too. So, you know, written for right. tween age boys. So, you, you know, subtlety doesn't really need to exist there. So, Whereas this was originally written as a story of a guy in his 20s, mm-hmm. had to change to 30s once they got Bill Murray, although I think he was late 30s already. The tone's going to be different. This is a comedy yeah. and ultimately edited as a romantic comedy. And that's a drama, an action film. Yeah. You know, the sort of central conceit of the loop for Edge of Tomorrow is this sort of video game save Mm -hmm. point reset kind of idea, right? I've been kicking this idea around in my brain about, you know, if you could get the Mario licensing properties, right? Yeah. And you tell the story point of view from Mario, whose life is resetting (laughs) and he doesn't know why. Right. And you put him through all the existential crises and he's getting to the point where he's like, I'm just going to do it and off myself. Or you just like, you know, I'm invincible. You know, all these things that your fills and your cages go through in those sorts of things that I think that could be a decently entertaining movie. It would be comedic, I think, because animated Mario kind of things. But yeah, I still haven't gotten to play the Groundhog Day video game sequel that came out somewhat recently Oh, because it's on the PlayStation VR. Yeah. Like I have a PlayStation, but the VR basically is buying a whole new system. Mm. So I, I can't afford that just for one game. Isn't that sort of an older game? It's a few years now. It's in the last decade, I forget, but you need to get the VR set up to do it. I didn't realize it was VR. Why aren't more games using what you just said? It's like, yeah, it resets, but also that can affect how it plays. Like yeah. your character gets certain knowledge because of that. I mean, you do because you memorize how to do it. That's why you can do speed runs. You know which thing you have to jump on and when. Yeah. But turn it into more of a role-playing experience. I think that's what part of made you know some of those earlier, like your uh, mm. Resident Evil slash Biohazard or whatever, where you could only save if you found ah. the device to save and they were scarce kind of thing. Like you had to find typewriter ribbons that allowed you to save at a typewriter. And both of those things were pretty limited. <laughs> so you couldn't just willy-nilly save and repeat. That added some tension to it. There was another game that I, I can't remember the name of it, but it had one of the meters that you followed was like an insanity meter, <laughs> right? It was a horror sort of nightmare kind of game. And, you know, you're exploring different lives, I think, past lives and whatnot. And if your insanity meter got too high, sort of weird freak out things would happen in the Mm. game. Like you'd get this note, like your controller has disconnected. Please reconnect it. But your controller hadn't disconnected. Oh, or like the screen would flip upside down or something, you know, like it was all these weird sort of physical glitches that would happen affecting your game. So yeah, I could see some inventive storytelling method happening with like your character is like, God damn it. Every time you bring Uh him back to life or something like that, you know, just like, (laughs) just end it. And then eventually like you'll figure out that some character, some other character knows more than they should. And like, they're the cause and they'll come, you know, you have something to aim for. Okay. Okay. I've got it. It's a Smurfs based video game, right? (laughs) Okay. And you are, let's say loopy Smurf, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to go and do something at Gargamel's castle, right? Every time you die, you come right back to life and you, whatever, you, you move on. But about halfway through the game, you realize that every time you come back to life, a different other Smurf dies. Because you go back to Smurf Village and like there are just Smurf corpses all over the place. Or you are a different Smurf. The Smurf you just were is dead. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and you come across their corpse like five steps after where you started. Yeah. I don't know why it has to be Smurfs, but I like this idea. It makes the horribleness of it that much better that they're Smurfs. Yeah. 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 I suppose it does. 
And you just like a little more blood drooling out of uh, Azrael's <laughs> mouth every time. I don't know. There's a whole sequence where Azrael just shows up in the village and slaughters a bunch in a row and you just keep getting hit over and over. Yeah. Another one where I think the licensing <laughs> would be a problem. Yeah. Especially now that they have live action features of Smurfs. Yeah. Yeah. We need to find something more obscure. Still a good idea though. Yeah. Snorks. <gasps> yeah. No one's doing anything with those damn snorks, right? No, they aren't. I like it. Yeah. Can you send me your agent's number? I got something to pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else on Edge of Tomorrow or Groundhog Day? Listeners, you'll have to tune in next week to find out if Mr. Connors will be checking out today. Because the minute ends with Mrs. Lancaster asking that. He doesn't get the answer just yet. He's not going to be checking out. Actually, no, he is. But also later, he isn't. Yeah, I mean, it'll never be today that he checks out, right? It's always going to be tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Because every time he tries to check out today, it doesn't work. Right. That's really the problem. Oh, no. Sean, Dave, if you're listening, that doesn't mean I'm saying Mrs. Lancaster is responsible. You're wrong about that. (laughs) She is a fine old woman who's friendly and good. It's the house that's haunted. (laughs) It's the town. Yeah. No one should be worshiping a groundhog. No, for God's sake. It's just going to go badly. It invites time loops. (laughs) Right. Now, you talk about Edge of Tomorrow a lot on your own show, mm-hmm. so tell listeners how to find that. It's at the good old edgeoftomorrowminute.com, which I'm sure you all have bookmarked, so just you know, go back there. We keep all the good episodes there, all the bad episodes that are there as well. Robin would kill me if I didn't mention the Twitter name that he gifted us, which was Live, Die, Retweet. Nice. So go to that one or come hang out in our Facebook group, No Jacket Required, and Edge of Tomorrow Minute listeners group. It's got that whole long name. I'm sorry. I have to say it like that. That's fine. I've given up on groups on Facebook. Yeah, there you go. Because I just have one. Yeah. Good strategy. Because I couldn't be bothered. I don't want to cause discussion in multiple places every day. Out of time. I'm not a Facebookist. <laughs> I'm a podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, thank you for listening. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia X Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. You can follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM or on Instagram or Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. through time. What is wrong in the end which never comes? Or which comes again and again? Lap, lap, lapping. Like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is. Man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. Particles unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day is not a documentary. Still not clear on chaos. Oh, oh, it, 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 it uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability in complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, and in Central Park, you get rain instead of sunshine. <sighs> wow.
And then I go too fast. I go too fast. I did a flyby. No, give me, give me that big glass of water. We're going to conduct an experiment. It should be still. The car's bouncing up and down, but that's okay. It's just an example. Now, put your hand flat, like a hieroglyphic. Then, now, let's say a drop water falls in your hand. Which way is the drop going to roll off? Over which finger or over the thumb? Or the other? Thumb. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Okay, now freeze your hand, freeze your hand. Don't move. I'm going to do the same thing. Start with the same same place again. Right. Which way is going to roll off? Let's say back. Same way. Same way. Same way. Same way. <gasps> it changed. It changed. Why? Because tiny variations, uh, the, the orientation of the hairs on your hands. Hey, Alan, look at this. Um, the amount of blood distending your vessels, imperfections in the skin. Imperfections in the skin? Microscopic, microscopic, oh. and never repeat, and vastly affect the outcome. That's important. Unpredictability. All right. There. Look at this. See, see, I'm right again. Nobody could have predicted that Dr. Grant would suddenly, suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. Alan. Alan. There's uh, another example. <laughs> see, here I'm now by myself, uh, uh, talking to myself. That's that's chaos theory. <laughs>